Hello everyone, this is Andrew Gomison with the Speaking for Him podcast. Welcome back to another episode. Today we will be dealing with the I Am Statement of Christ where he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And I'm excited to dig in to that with you. But first I want to get you caught up on what's going on in my life and around our culture with our segment about what is going on. First of all, for me, um, things are going really well at the Potter's House Christian School. Very blessed um, that, for the most part, we have stayed healthy and that we are able to minister to these kids, both academically and spiritually, and I hope that I am doing that by the grace of God. One kind of related thing to that, though, is that I have been without my wheelchair for a little over three weeks now. I'm in a loner wheelchair, which allows me to get to work and do the things that I need to do, but it is by no means comfortable. And so I would just ask that you would um, pray for a quick resolution to my wheelchair dilemma. I am Lord willing going to get my wheelchair back next week, and I cannot wait. When you get a new wheelchair and you're fitted for it, they spend hours making sure it fits you. So when you get a loaner, it just does not fit the same way. And so that does have a dramatic effect on my daily life. Um, but I just ask that you would pray for me that God's grace would be sufficient to carry me through each day of this week. And that uh, God would work out the little details that need to be worked out. The next thing I want to bring up is I was watching Jeopardy with my dad last Friday. And while I was watching Jeopardy, they broke in with a special report saying that Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, had passed away. And that means that there needs to be another appointment to the Supreme Court. Um, I think President Trump is getting ready to release his his pick for that within the next week. And I am praying that the, the Senate will um, take up a vote for that. It is very important um, as we approach this presidential election, I believe, to have that ninth seat filled um, because if this election comes down to any sort of court decisions or any sort of um, adjudication on the legal level, we need to have uh, an uneven number of judges so that we can make a decision because with only eight sitting, there's a potential for a 4-4 tie of any decision. So I really do think it's important that we move forward. And it is so imperative that we make a wise decision on the justices that we choose because when the founding fathers uh, came up with the way that we uh, do our government, they came up with three separate um, but co-equal branches of the government. Well, they came up with the legislative, the judicial, and the executive. And while the executive is uh, charged with making final decisions, the legislature and the judiciary are supposed to balance that out. None of the three branches are supposed to have an excessive amount of power over and above what any of the other ones do. And what we have seen happen with the Supreme Court is that they have not only been called upon to ask, ascertain whether a law is constitutional or not, but they have actually been called upon to make law. We've seen them take um, 
the 14th Amendment of the Constitution and decide that a woman's privacy means that she can abort her child at any stage of pregnancy. Uh, that was handed down with Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton in 1973. And it's interesting because that decision said um, that the age of viability at the age of viability, abortion had to be stopped, but they didn't define the age of viability. Uh, and then we saw the Supreme Court make a similar decision uh, with uh, the issue of uh, homosexual marriage uh, being legal, again citing the 14th Amendment. Um, and we also saw a similar thing with um, affirming Obama's executive order with DACA um, to allow the children of illegal immigrants to stay in the country. Now, apart from the moral issues of uh, these decisions, which I'm not going to get into at this time, uh, just think about the fact that neither of these three decisions that I have brought up for you tonight went through the legislative process. They were not um, discussed in the House or the Senate. They were not, I was not signed by the president. Um, it didn't go through the legislative process. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg said at one point that she knew that Roe versus Wade was bad law because it wasn't a law. It was a decision by judges to upend actually several state laws. And the same thing uh, was actually the case with the marriage issue because 32 um, individual state constitutions had said, Marriage is between a man and a woman, and we've codified it as a state. But the Supreme Court was able to throw that out. And so I just want to point out that the reason that this appointment to the Supreme Court is so important is because we basically said, you as the Supreme Court are the law of the land. And I don't think that's what our founding fathers um, wanted. I think they wanted a a separate, co-equal three branches of government and they needed to work together. And yes, there are times when a uh, Supreme court needs to look at precedent and look at the constitution and say, is this a viable law or not? But they should not supersede the legal process. And that's all I'll say about that. Other than to simply say that um, we need to pray uh, that the next, um, Justice will be a constitutionalist who will not seek to make law, but will seek to enforce law in our country. I will also mention that it's interesting that people are now talking about how important Ruth Bader Ginsburg's Jewish faith was to her, but but the Torah in Deuteronomy says, I have set before you life and death, therefore choose life, that thou and thy descendants may live. And I think that's important to uh, point out only because Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a known advocate of abortion. If she really believed in the tenets of her Jewish faith, I think she would have believed in the sanctity of all human life. So moving on to our main segment, I want to share with you today a little bit about um, the I am statement of Christ. You know, we've been going through these I am statements and Jesus is making declarative statements about who he is, about his nature, and this is hopefully going to encourage us 
with the reasons why we should follow him with all of our hearts. If you remember on last week's show, I had Jason Romano on, and he said that his um, favorite verse was, in part, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And the reason that we can trust him is because his he is perfect, because he is God. And one of the exciting things about these I am statements, um, it's kind of backed up in Hebrews when it says that him that him that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek them. And I think I've said this on the podcast before. The reason we must believe that he is is because everything that is good, he is. And that is a blessing to us. And so now I want to share with you our quote of the day. Today's quote comes from the scriptures, and it, the, the scripture passage is um, John eleven twenty five and 26. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And this is Jesus talking to Martha after the death of her brother Lazarus. And Jesus, of course, is speaking of the fact that at the resurrection um, we will live. But he's also talking, in this particular case, about the fact that he does have a plan to resurrect Lazarus. And I think it's kind of interesting, one of my uh, friends, Wally, from The Wally Show, um, who I had the privilege of interviewing uh, a few years ago, a few years back on this podcast, made the point that Jesus wept was his favorite Bible verse. And when you first hear that, you're like, well, that just seems like an easy one. But the way that he pointed it out was that Jesus is in touch with the feelings of those around him. And also it's interesting that Jesus wept even though he knew the outcome, even though he knew that he was in control, even though he knew what he was going to do to make things right, he still wept. And Jesus is basically laying out for um, Martha, you know, I have control of this situation. And she didn't know exactly what he was going to do, but if you read on in the passage, you find that he goes to the tomb where Lazarus has been for four days and says, remove the stone. And then he calls forth Lazarus and he calls him by name and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And did you ever think about the the reason that he called Lazarus by name was because if he had just said, come forth, who knows how many bodies might have come forth, but he called them by name or he called Lazarus by name. And he, I think he calls us by name too. And because he wants a personal relationship with each of us. So we're just going to unpack uh, the importance of the resurrection in the Christian life today. So the first thing I want to mention is the resurrection is essential to our faith. Paul says in 1 Corinthians fifteen thirteen and 14, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith is also in vain. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirteen and 14. So Jesus, or Paul is basically saying, 
if Christ isn't risen, if you believe the lie that Christ is not risen, um, because remember the guards were told to tell the people that the disciples stole the body. And Paul is saying, if you, if Christ isn't risen, then, um, our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. So everything that we stand for in the Christian faith, everything that we stand for on the, on the speaking for him podcast means nothing if the resurrection isn't real. And you know, that that's a pretty striking um, and, and bold statement, but it is true that, that the Christian faith is predicated on the resurrection the power of the Christian faith comes from the resurrection. There are any number of religions out there where you can go and see the grave of the leader of the religion. But when you go to Jesus' grave, you see an empty tomb open to let us know that redemption has been secured and that we can live in victory. The second thing is the resurrection is a promise kept. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And that is John 6.40. And the significance of this passage is the fact that Jesus is making a promise. If you believe in me, I will resurrect you at the last day. And the way I always think about it is if you look through the scriptures you see the promises of God over and over again he told the woman that uh, someone would come out of her seed and would redeem mankind and crush the serpent's head and Jesus came Um, and then Jesus said I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to be buried and I'm going to rise again the third day and he was. And it's interesting, after they went to the tomb and didn't find him there, um, the angel said he, he, he rose, just like he said. And the response of the women was that they remembered his words. And then our third point is the resurrection gives us hope. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are to the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be both the Lord of the dead and of the living. Romans 14, 8 and 9. I, I saw a me, uh, Facebook post a while back that said, there's no real need to have a purpose in life. And I started to think about the fact that the Bible is is so full of having a purpose in life. The Bible says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do works that God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The Bible says that in Philippians 2.11, uh, for it is God who worketh in you, uh, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So all through the scriptures, we see the importance of purpose in the human life. And so don't let anybody 
make you believe the lie that your purpose in life is unimportant because it certainly is important. And, and God, the Lord is the Lord of the dead and of the living. So we can have, um, a connection with our loved ones who have passed on knowing that God is in control and watching over them where they are and in control and watching us where we are. Next, the resurrection gives us power. Romans six sixteen to 18 Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Do you ever take the time to consider the fact that before you came to know the Lord Jesus, you didn't have any choice but to sin? That was your natural um, bent. The Bible says, As by one man sin entered the world, and so death fell on all men. That's the significance of the virgin birth, by the way. Jesus had to be born of a virgin so that he could be sinless, because the sins of the fathers are passed on to the children. It's just a fact. And if you have any doubt about the validity of this, I challenge you to spend a day with a three-year-old. Because if you do, you will find that it is 100% true. You don't have to teach a three-year-old the word no. They will use it readily. You have to teach them the word yes. You have to teach them to share. But you don't have to teach them the word no. Why? Because it is ingrained in us to do the evil. Jeremiah 17.9 puts it this way. The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so what's the answer? The answer is that we believe on the Lord. And in this passage, um, it says that um, we were servants of sin, but then we obeyed the form of doctrine uh, that we had heard. And Paul is uh, talking about specific teachings, I'm sure, that he taught the church. Um, but just think about overall the things that we know and have come to believe about Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, Jesus said that there's no one that comes to the Father except by me. When we believe those things, then we can be made free from sin, and being made free from sin, we can become the servants of righteousness. You know, there's there's an old Bob Dylan song, and I refer to it a lot in my sermons um, because it's so succinct. It says this, you got to serve somebody. It may be the Lord or it may be the devil, but you got to serve somebody. We were made to serve. We're not made 
to live for ourselves. There's a vacuum in us that can only be filled by serving. So the question isn't, will we serve? The question is, who will we serve? And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then the final point that I want to bring out today is the resurrection brings comfort. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So, once again, Paul is laying out for the Thessalonian believers, this is how we are going to be with the Lord. Because I'm sure some of those believers thought, well, Jesus is going to come back while I'm alive, and because it's eminent, it's going to happen any time. And then when Jesus didn't come back and they saw their loved ones dying, they were like, what are we going to do? What is, how is God going to sort all this out? So Paul takes the time in 1 Thessalonians to address that, and he says, if we believe um, that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And then he lays out the fact that the dead in Christ will rise first, and then once the dead in Christ have risen out of their graves, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then it says perhaps one of the most important things in the passage, wherefore comfort one another with these words. That is why I have confidence that I will know the people that I knew on earth here in heaven. Because how else could I be comforted in the death of a loved one if I didn't know that I would see them again? So I want to let you know whatever sorrow you've gone through in this area, if you are a believer... And if the person that you lost is a believer, you will see them again. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So I hope as we've gone through these points about um, the resurrection that you have been encouraged. I hope that you will pass this information on to your friends just to review very quickly. Um these are the points we covered. The, re- the resurrection is essential to our faith. The resurrection is a promise kept. The resurrection gives us hope. The resurrection gives us power. The resurrection brings comfort. And I think all five of these points are uh, very important for us to consider. Um, this is by no means an exhaustive list. If there's anything about the resurrection that you think um, we should also consider, feel free to leave a comment on this blog or um, send me a voicemail also on the blog or contact me in any other way 
that will roll at the end of the show. And like I said, um, feel free to share this with your family and friends. These podcasts are always available on the website, speakingforhim.com, totally free of charge. And I want people to hear them and be edified by them. All right, well, that's the show for today. I hope that you've been blessed, and I hope that you will um, commit this next week to be blessed, to be a blessing wherever you are. And with, and with that being said, I will simply end today by saying, have a great weekend, and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 